In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today is Candlemas. As you can see, it's the day when we bless all the candles that will be used in the course of the, of the year in the church. We're still in the season of Epiphany, which means the light shining out, and we see these scenes in the Scripture where the glory of God is shining out. You can't see the glory of God and live, but we have beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son, in the face of Jesus Christ the Lord. We see these moments in His life where the glory breaks forth, and one of them is the presentation in the, in the temple and the testimony of Simeon and Anna. So to understand what's going on here, we have to understand a little bit about the temple. There are, there are themes that weave the whole Bible together. One of the themes is covenant. God makes a covenant with the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. On the night in which he's betrayed, the Lord says, I give you a new testament, a new covenant. There's the theme of long-suffering love. There's the theme of judgment and grace. There's the theme of glory. There's the theme of priesthood. And there's the theme of the temple. The Bible opens with the temple, and the Bible closes with the temple. In the beginning of all things, we have the story of the creation of the heavens and the earth by God. Now, if we're ancient people and we're listening to this story, we pretty soon, uh, after they say the first day and the second day, pretty soon, we immediately recognize what kind of story this is. This is a story about how we got our temple and how we got the image of our God that's in our temple. It's a little bit of a confusing story because it starts right out saying that the things that we're used to worshiping are not the things to be worshiped, right? The sun and the moon and the scars, the God made all of those things. Well, this is a great God. This is the God above all gods. And we could, we could go through it in great detail and see how it really lines up with that kind of story. But at the, at the climax of the story, what's supposed to happen at the climax of the story is then the statue that's in our temple. What is a temple? A temple is a place where we go to encounter the living presence of God. A temple is a place where wisdom is taught. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, before they read any of the scriptures, the deacon intones, attend wisdom. A temple is a place of healing. Place, temple is a place of intercession and prayer. And in Israel, the temple is the place where sins are forgiven and where the fellowship between God and humanity is restored. And because there is shalom with God, there can be shalom among the nations. So we're at the climax of the story, and we expect now to, to hear the part of the story where it tells about how the image of the God was made in heaven, and now it comes down to earth. But we don't hear a story about an image made out of silver or made out of gold. We don't hear a story about an image that drops out of heaven. We hear an image of, we hear the story of an image that is raised up from the mud. God forms the man out of the clay and the woman, and he breathes their life into them. 
And he says, let us make them in our image, male and female, let us make them. And it's the male-female pair that are the uh, Adamic humanity. And they are the image of the living God who are now set in the midst of the temple that's been created. It's a garden temple. It's an arboreal uh, temple. Uh, we know about these things. We say things like the Cathedral of the Pines and things like that. And they're the priests of the temple. And they bless things in God's name. And God gives them a command to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. What are they, to fill it? What are they filling the earth with? They're filling the earth with the image of God. They're filling the earth with the glory of God. They're bodying forth the divine presence. That's their vocation. That's our vocation. That's the Adamic priesthood, which is our, which is our vocation. And they're to cultivate the garden. Now, when you cultivate the garden, you know this song, inch by inch, row by row, got to let my garden grow? That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to, they're supposed to be stewards of the earth, and they're supposed to extend the precincts of the temple. Now, at the very end of the Bible, at the end of all things, the holy city comes down from heaven. It's a perfect cube. It's a, it's a city, but there's a garden inside of it. And it's a temple because it has the dimensions of the temple. That would be, that would be a, it would take us a long time to go into that, but you look at that very carefully. It's the dimensions of the temple. And not only is it the dimensions of the temple, it's the dimensions of the holy of holy of the temples. The temple has been extended so that it encompasses the whole earth, and the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. To be God's instruments in the accomplishment of God's temple plan, that is the human vocation. And we know the story about how there's not supposed to be anything unclean that comes into the temple, but the snake gets in there and he tempts the man and the woman, and they fall for the temptation, and they, they have to leave. They're, 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 they're not able to be in that place anymore. And then the rest of the Bible is, is laying out for us everything that God is doing to restore His temple and to restore His priests. You know, if there were more time we could go into all of the stories in the Old Testament and show how the temple themes appear in them over and over again. We might touch, for instance, on the story of Noah, the story of the floating temple from which we get the name for the place where you're sitting, the nave, and the story from which we, we uh, you, if you look at the baptismal font that's by the, the west doors there as you go out, you'll see count the number of sides and then count the number of people that were, were saved in the ark from the waters of evil and chaos. When God rescues His people from slavery, He takes them to that holy mountain, and the Shekinah, the glorious, luminous cloud that is the visible presence of the invisible God, hovers over that mountain. And there God speaks face to face with Moses and gives the people of God two great gifts, the ten words of life and the tent of meeting, the tabernacle with its outer courtyard, with its holy place, with its holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, the Ark of the Covenant, 
and on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the histolarion, the meeting place between God and humanity, where the high priest goes once a year to offer a sacrifice for the purification of the people so that they might be reconciled to God and cleansed and once again be the holy people of a holy God. They get to Jerusalem, and David wants to build a permanent tent of meeting. God forbids him. He says, your son Solomon will do this, and Solomon builds the temple. It's, it's on the scheme of our cathedral, with a holy place and a holier place and a holy of holies. And then Solomon prays a great priestly prayer, and he consecrates the temple. And the people see the same cloud that was on Mount Sinai descend upon the temple in Jerusalem and fill the temple with the glory of God and consecrate it as the meeting place between God and humanity. But then the same thing that happens in the first temple happens in this temple. They're not able to live up to their vocation. They're tempted. They fall. God sends them the prophets to recall them to their vocation, but they, they don't heed the, the prophets. They, they, they kill the prophets. And finally, one time, when Jerusalem is being besieged because of the sins of the people, the Bible tells us, the priest prophet Ezekiel has a terrible vision. He sees that glory that came upon the temple when Solomon prayed. He sees that glory depart and leave. They go into exile. Isaiah comes and tells them that they're going to return. They return. They rebuild the temple. There are old men who saw the first temple, and when they see the second temple, they cry. But they rebuild it. They try to pull things back together. But it's not all going altogether well. And about 100 years after they rebuild it, we come to the prophet that we read this morning, Malachi. And Malachi tells a story of the betrayal, the people's betrayal of their vocation and the people's profanation of the temple of God. And God makes a promise through Malachi. And he says, I'm going to come and rectify this. I'm going to come and make this right. I'm going to come and purify the temple and cleanse it. I'm going to come and purify the people and cleanse them. I'm going to reconcile them to me. I'm going to dwell again amongst them as I dwelt on the mountain and I dwelt in the temple, and I'm going to dwell again amongst them. I will be in their midst, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Malachi says, this Lord whom ye seek will return suddenly to the temple. Now, between Malachi and John the Baptist, it's 400 years, and there's been no word from the Lord. There all of a sudden comes John the Baptist, the forerunner. And there is Mary and Joseph with the Christ child, and they come to do all the things 
that the law instructs them to do. And they come into the temple, and Simeon sees at once that the prophecy of Malachi has come true. This God whom you seek has come suddenly to his temple, and everything that God has promised to do is going to come true in Jesus Christ. The temple will be purified, the people will be purified, sacrifice will be offered, perfect sacrifice. The people will be reconciled to God, they'll be reconciled to each other, and there will be a great fountain of love and peace. Of course, Simeon doesn't see all the way through to the end of it. He doesn't, he doesn't see that not only is the temple being purified, the temple is being replaced. For now the Holy of Holies is not in the inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies is in a person, Jesus Christ the Lord. He's the mercy seat now. And what Simeon does is a prophecy. He offers Christ to the Father, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this because of the sacrifice of the cross and in the power of the resurrection, each one of you in your baptism have been lifted up by Christ and offered to the Father purified and cleansed by his sacrifice. And that's why we come here week by week, to have that reconciliation, to have that purification, to have that cleansing, to have that infusion of holiness renewed. We close today with pointing you to the second letter of Peter. So in light of all this, Peter says, in light of the light that has come to enlighten the world, the light which you were given in your baptism. In light of all this, says St. Peter, come yourselves to the cornerstone that was rejected. And with him being the cornerstone, and with the prophets and the apostles being the foundation, allow yourselves to be built up into a living temple to offer praises of sacrifice and service to the Lord, and to be what Adam and Eve were always meant to be, a light to enlighten the nations, the glory of God's people. And so is bequeathed to us in the presentation that Christ makes of us in our baptism, so is bequeathed to us this duty that he gave to Adam and Eve to body forth his glory, his light and his love in the world, until this invisible work which he is doing will be revealed to have been perfected. When the holy city comes down and the whole world is God's temple and the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen.